Yo, comic fam, I'm your host, Comic Tom. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, who do we got on the mic? What's up? It's your boy, Jim Min. Dude, how you feeling, man? How you doing? Man, I'm feeling good. I mean, I'm in quarantine. I'm in lockdown, but we're cranking out content. I'm reading comics. We're making it happen. Yeah, the fam's doing good over there? Yeah, everyone's chilling. Dude, we're all healthy over here. We're making content. We're doing it, you know, remotely. I appreciate the community being here today. Hit that subscribe button. We make a lot of comic book themed content. Go down to the description. Make sure you're following Gem Mint over at Gem Mint Collectibles. He puts out a ton of great stuff. And man, you've been putting out some fire over these last weeks. You feeling pretty cooped up? A little bit, man, but I'm just trying to keep busy, keep my mind off it. Well, you know what? We've been making some content over this last month. I want to announce some giveaway winners right out the gate from our recent video that we did over on your channel, The Big Mistakes Statue Collectors Make. Yeah, we've been doing videos on each other's channel. We promoted this store number one on each of our channels. We flipped a coin to decide which uh, set of comments we're going to use the randomizer for. And it was my video that we randomized. And the winner for this store number one South America variant is... Josh Yoa, congratulations, brother. Make sure to hit Comic Tom with a message with your shipping information so we can get this book out to you. Absolutely. Information in the description on how to contact us. I also wasn't going to let my homies down here at the Comic Tom YouTube channel. So we're going to do a second giveaway um, just to hook up the fam. Shane Cooley, thank you also for commenting, liking, and subscribing to our channels. We're going to send you a Spider-Woman number one Comic Tom 101 exclusive. And, oh my gosh, this is a podcast. So we have to announce our podcast giveaway from last week's podcast. Shout out to Modoc Mike. You're going to be getting some Alex Ross goodness, the Marvelocity, courtesy of the legend himself. Man, that's a dope book. Alex Ross, one of the greats, one of the greatest painters, uh, comic artists in the business. Super excited to send this out. And let's jump into this show, Jim, because we have some fun stuff we're going to discuss. I want to get into some, I don't know. A little bit of like but what we're doing throughout this time. We're, we're at home. We're doing comic stuff. But I want to know specifics, like any recommendations. I saw a video you made this last week about what you're doing throughout the isolation that we're all experiencing. And I saw a video where you're like dusting statues. Are you okay, man? You're, are you really dusting your statues right now? You got to dust your statues. Yeah, we put out a video, <laughs> five things collectors can do during quarantine. And it's kind of like things that we should always be doing. But, you know, with life, it gets in the way and you and you put these things to the back burner. But, yeah, like, you know, dusting your statues or bagging and boarding your comics or organizing your collection, categorizing it, uh, reading comics. I mean, I know most of us have a huge backlog of either single issues or you you end up buying 10 omnibus and you've only read one. So that kind of a thing. Dude, back when I was younger and I used to collect Pokemon cards, I used to literally take the afternoon, put all my cards out, take them all out of the binder just to reorganize them for absolutely no reason. Dude, <laughs> I'm almost 30 and I'm literally doing that with my comics in my living room right now. Yeah, for sure. You know, we're, but, collect we're collectors, man. And we tend to buy more than we organize or read or whatever. So it's only natural. This is a time where we could catch up. Well, you know what? I also have been looking at your shelf here. You have so much great reading material. I've been trying to get caught up on some books and I can't stop looking at those lights so I, I figured now is the best time to do it um, uh oh what happened I, I, I uh -oh. Had a, all right can you tell that i, I straight up copied you <laughs> tom the key to a successful channel is led light strips i mean oh. that's all you got to have for the audio members if you don't um have the visual i have leds that i've loosely strung up just for this video on my set <laughs> hopefully it'll look a bit better in coming weeks but gem your your set is looking great what have you been reading 
throughout this time. Any any recommendations to the comic book community? So, man, I've been actually I've been getting into manga lately. Berserk has got me like full blown into manga. Started reading stuff like Vinland Saga, and right now I'm finishing up Death Note. I love it. It's so different. It doesn't even feel like a manga. You think Dragon Ball, like high flying action and stuff like that, but Death Note is such a like a intellectual thriller type of book. So I've been reading that. But I, as far as recommendations, I think you guys need to take this time to catch up on Gideon Falls. That is a Jeff Lemire book. It's amazing. Uh, there's trade paperbacks out there. I'm sure you could get them on Amazon or get them online somewhere. But uh, Gideon Falls is something that I recommend everybody gets caught up on. That's fun. You picked kind of like a, I mean, honestly, both of those recommendations, um, Death Note is kind of a post-apocalyptic. I mean, it's mass murder and, and, and crazy events happening, like science fiction, right. um, fantasy, love Death Note, really, really strongly recommended. Um, but also Gideon Falls, another one kind of post-apocalyptic. I tend to do this when I'm feeling kind of stressed out. Um, if I'm at home, you're trying to keep occupied. I tend to navigate towards more horror stuff and being that I'm locked inside, I'm doing my social distancing. And I'm also kind of worried, you know, a little scared. This is weird what we're experiencing right now. I'm navigating towards like the most horrific stuff, like 28 days later movies. Um, and my reading is reflecting that as well. So a couple of recommendations I have is um, however you like to call it. Mimetic is actually a word, but I've heard some people call it meme tick, which is a three issue series that I strongly recommend um, post apocalyptic, super dark, very mature. Um, and another is trees. There's three volumes of it. They're in their third, but you can get the first two trades right now. And both are very fun. And I only read the third volume and I, I got to tell you, I think you could just pick that up and start right from there too. It's not like you need to know everything that, everything that happened in the uh, prior two volumes. Correct. You know, they're kind of their own individual story as in trees. Each volume is kind of its own narrative about a world where aliens come, but they don't communicate with us. They just live amongst us. And it's about the societies that form around these tree like structures. Um, meme tick is was was actually something that was optioned a couple months back by Seth Rogen's company. And I went ahead and read it because issue number one, you know, they, all the issues, they have a very kind of standard cover A, but issue number one had a variant. It was a one in 25 and it has a sloth on it. And it's one of the most inviting covers you can look at. It's a cute sloth. You wouldn't think anything of it. Mm. But after getting to issue three in this run, you realize that that sloth is one of the most horrific things that you'll <laughs> ever look at. And now I can't even look at a sloth the same. And to think mm. that Seth Rogen has taken on this comic book is kind of crazy because it's it's very out there. It has to do not just with a sloth, but the sloth is a symbol of a of a weapon. The sloth is a meme that's utilized as a weapon to drive the world crazy and aliens get involved. And yeah, you got, you got to read this book. Sounds crazy. The reason why I wanted to chat about some reading tips is because we had some updates with diamond over this last two weeks with what's been going on. And I was excited to chat with you today on the mic. Cause I think you were actually the first YouTuber to talk about it. Am I correct? Yeah, it might be because I. what happened was uh, I'm on Instagram heavy and I started seeing everybody share this information about Diamond. I think Bleeding Cool might have been the, the news uh, source to break it and then Newsarama. But I, I did a quick YouTube search and I didn't see any YouTubers talking about it. So I've been doing this GMC news thing. It's kind of funny. I put on a blazer. I kind of got the new, uh, news music in the background. 
to report on Diamond deciding to not ship new comic books for the foreseeable future. And this week is actually the first week, I think, when they're no longer shipping. That's right. I wanted to go on the mic after seeing what happened. And then I saw, oh, you did it. I'll share your video. You, you got it handled. You communicate all the information that the community needed to know. And then the next day, there was a little bit of information. I was getting ready to go to the mic the day after that. And then all of a sudden, I saw what was actually taking place. Every single day, there's something new, is there not? Mm-hmm. And now think, we have pretty much a good understanding of what's going to play out. Yeah, there was a lot of speculation on whether or not publishers were going to release comics digitally. And a lot of uh, publishers, one at a time, were saying, no, I think uh, Marvel or, or DC was DC was the last holdout. And now we have the final list that uh, they're not going to continue publishing these books digitally. They're going to wait for print to come back in. Yeah, I it looked like DC was considering putting their titles to digital for maybe 48 hours. (laughs) And I think the reception they got was so poor that they decided to pull back and do what Marvel has announced today. It's Tuesday when we're recording this, that no, they're just putting a halt on all the titles and with no plan just yet because they have to take it day to day. But let me drop my idea. And this is going to take you by surprise because we haven't talked about this at all. But my whole thing was when you buy a comic, you get a free digital code in the back, at least with Marvel, right? So why couldn't they have it where if you buy the digital copy, you could redeem a code for the physical copy when they come back in print? Oh, that's interesting. I haven't heard that thought. I mean, there's a lot of different uh, challenges when it's as these publishers are trying to figure out just a distribution process. I'm sure yeah. trying to figure out how they get the comics in hand is is the struggle when Diamond is pretty much the monopoly. I mean, they're the ones who are in charge of like a hundred plus publishers comic books. And actually that's what DC was saying. They were, there was a little uh, rumor going around that they would consider other distribution options besides Diamond. And I guess they decided not to go through with it. Yeah. That was another weird one. Like again, 24 hours, this information was floated. It hit bleeding cool, hit a bunch of different sites. And then the very next day, now something new. So we're going to keep you updated as much as we can, Comic Fam. But Jem is really on it with the quick turnarounds on more of the breaking news videos. So if, I'm sure you'll probably make something if something ends up happening that's needing to alert the community. Yeah, if I get enough content for a, a, a decent video, I'll put something together pretty fast. Hey, we were also chatting about a bunch of reading that we've been doing. And I want to throw this out there. I brought something from the PC today that I want to give away. I have a copy of Immortal Hulk, the volume number one. And this is something that everyone needs to read. But if you haven't, comment down below, like and subscribe to both of our channels, and I'll enter you to win this copy. And we'll announce this on next week's podcast and give you some reading material from my personal collection. This is what I read. And I think during these times when everybody's quarantined, stuck in the house, it's better to get a trade paperback right now than a variant. Something you could actually read and jump into. You don't need any prior reading to get into this run. And that's probably the strongest arc, in my opinion, for Immortal Hulk right now. I figured some reading material would be useful during these times. And you know what, man? I do have a variant that's on deck to do a giveaway for. So (laughs) we'll get to that one, too. But um, I want to chat about some comic book buy, selling, and trading tips. All right, because I've been at home, man. I've been buying comics. I've been surfing Instagram more than I ever have. And I realize there's these things that I do, uh, things I participate in that I realize a lot of members of the community either don't know about, they're not as affluent in, they don't maybe realize that there are opportunities out there during these times to interact, to be part of the community, but also engage in aspects that can allow you to still buy, sell, and trade. And I thought, hey, let's get you on the mic, man. Let's chat about it. 
Yeah, this is definitely something I see a lot of people asking in the comments and during live streams. People want to know, how do I get started selling comics online? And I think what better time than now for collectors or anybody to, to start that online presence? It's really easy. So we're going to talk about some things that we're familiar with. And I think what we'll do is we'll start as a novice. Let's say you don't have any social media presence. Uh, one of the biggest and most inviting platforms for me was Instagram. You can easily set up an Instagram account, and all you need to do is start taking decent pictures, posting them uh, with good lighting, and list how much you want for the uh, for the comics, uh, your uh, estimated condition, and use the hashtags. You want to do like pound sign, which is what the kids are calling hashtag now, comics for sale, or hashtag IG comic family, and you're going to start getting some interaction. That's right. I'll do the comic fam a favor and put a bunch of examples in the description below that you can copy and paste. I encourage you to maybe text it to yourself so you're not having to think on the go as you're posting, what hashtags do I use? And what right. that'll do is it'll allow your posts to get put into the explore page on Instagram. What's the explore page? So on Instagram, your newsfeed is only going to show pictures of people that you're following. If you click onto the explore section, it's going to kind of show everything that's geared to what you already look at. So if you start posting pictures of comics for sale, people who typically look at those types of posts are going to see yours. So my big advice is to also be interactive. If somebody comments, reply to their comment, check their page out, like some of their pictures and get involved in the community, which is uh, really how I got started on comic book online in general. A lot of members get discouraged out the gate. You know, they're waiting for stuff to happen. They post and they wait. They post and they wait and they don't see anything happen. The problem is, is what you just described, people aren't doing. Engaging yeah. in the community. Posting is the first part and it's also the least important part. <laughs> you need to interact in the community. You need to comment. You, for every one post you do, there needs to be at least 10 to 20 minutes of, of activity done on Instagram so you can generate connections, build friendships, build your network. And that way, when people come to buy off your page, there's some type of trust that's built. There's a community that's been forming and people will be rest. They'll be able to rest assured that they're not dealing with someone who's going to screw them out on a deal. That's so true, man. If you look, I'm a, I'm a perfect example. I think Tom's story is sim uh, very similar. I was somebody who had zero social media presence. I made an Instagram page. I started sharing my pictures by commenting on other people's stuff, following back. Uh, you could easily do giveaways on Instagram to start getting some more attention to your page. And then look, like five years later, we have this big community. So I know it sounds a little overwhelming, and I don't want you to, to feel that way. I just want you to set up that account, post some pictures of some books that you have for sale, and do those things that we mentioned, and you're definitely going to get some momentum. All right, let's take a look at another social platform that I think is largely underutilized slash people may not know that it's even available. And I'm talking about Facebook buy, sell, and trading groups. Some of these groups are just one of three of these things. You can only trade. Some of these groups are just for selling. Some of these groups are just for buying. Some are for all three. Whatever tickles your fancy. That's what I like about Facebook is there's groups and communities for every single person. And I recommend everybody who's in the comic book game 
in the community who's collecting comic books, who's buying, who's selling, and who's trading to be part of at least one, if not more than one. And people always say, oh, I don't have a Facebook. I don't do Facebook. Listen, me either. I only have a Facebook to be a part of these groups because I'm in a lot of different types of groups, statue collectors, omnibus collectors, CGC, key comic collectors. I don't participate on my personal Facebook page. I just have one set up so I can be a part of these groups. Absolutely. You know, there's aspects to Facebook that's unique in itself. I can only get most of my foreign comic books from community groups like that. They don't hit eBay. They don't hit Amazon, you know, and you have to be able to network with people all over the world. And Facebook is where these communities are forming. So I want to encourage members to not just be part of Facebook groups, but to be active as well. And if you're looking for ways to be able to get your feet wet, to just out the gate, start moving comics and you want to get rolling, you don't want to do eBay or Instagram's not your jam. You want something more immediate, maybe more personal, direct communication with people right away. Well, the first thing you do is you've got to find one of these groups and you just find them by going into the search bar on your Facebook page and type in comic books, buy, sell, and trade. And you got to shop. You got to look at the groups and decide which one you want to be part of. And I encourage people to choose ones that are like 5,000 members or more for the purposes that we're describing. But, you know, my foreign group that I'm part of is under 2,000. And there's a lot of different ones. Yeah, but you want to make sure there's a good amount of members there. Maybe, maybe, like you said, a couple thousand, a few hundred or something like that. And don't get discouraged, man. Facebook can be a toxic place. I almost didn't continue my online comic book uh, presence uh, because when I first started, I, I joined a Facebook group and I didn't have a good experience. Thankfully, I did jump over to Instagram and I met a great community of people. But it, it could just be the luck of the draw. If you don't like the group, just leave and there's a, a ton of other ones out there. Absolutely. Like you want to be a proud member of these groups. And if you get a vibe that it's just you know, too aggressive, too negative. I mean, or not aggressive enough. I mean, heck, maybe you want to complain. There's groups for you as well. Um, but something that you can do to kind of just start out the gate, if you got some comics you want to start listing, you can, you know, read the rules first because every one of these groups are going to have their own guidelines of what you can and can't do. But it's very common to see Facebook auctions take place on the daily. And if you're not someone who wants to get in front of the camera, this is something I would recommend. What you can do is you can take a picture of your collection of the day that you're going to post. And then under that post, start listing your books, take a picture of the comic and do the same thing that Jem just said, how much you want for the comic book, like rather, or what is it starting at a dollar depends on what you want to do and put the grade and do a 24 hour auction. It will take members on average an hour, maybe an hour and a half to take up to 100 to 150 pictures of comic books to put on a Facebook form for people to shop. You can do that every day right now. Yeah, and these are really trying times for people who sell comics for a living, for comic shops. And I just wanna give a shout out to a, a shop that I see online that's doing it right. Torpedo Comics on Instagram, is killing it right now. They're doing live auctions. And this might be something that you want to do once you build a more of a following on Instagram, but they're going live. They have a system in place where people are doing, are, are bidding live on books and they're moving books. And the time where they're not getting any new comics in, they're really focusing on moving the inventory that they're, they currently have and they're having fun doing it. Jem, don't you think that all of these things are aspects of this community that members and business members should be doing anyways? This is definitely an opportunity where you can learn how to build your social media presence. I think that anybody who's buying and selling comics would 
definitely benefit from having an online presence. Something impressive that I've seen over this last year is live Facebook auctions. So I just discussed how you can do a live auction without being on camera. Well, there are members who are doing it on camera from their home with their families for hours, like hours and hours. Those Facebook live auctions are super popular. I notice people sharing them in my group from people that I don't even know. And they have a ton of people watching them live, but people are just into them. They share it, they participate, and it's really fun. Yeah, you just got to do it often. And everyone starts out with a little bit of people and they grow the audience. But right now, everyone's home. So this is a great time to implement some of these things and possibly move some comics, trade some comics, make use of your time. All right, guys, before we get to the next section, make sure to hit that subscribe button down below. Hit the notification bell. Hit the like button. We're going to announce the next giveaway. We're going to give away this Black Panther statue. Dude, we're giving away a Black Panther statue? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You got me excited for a second. I'm like, I got a comic here. Wait a minute. All right, but you're giving it away eventually, though, right? Yeah, yeah. I had it here on the table. I just thought I'd mess with you. No, actually, I am giving this statue away. If you go to my channel and check out the review for this, you can see the details on how to enter. But what's the giveaway we got for this video, Tom? Uh, dude, today we're going to be giving away this 1 in 100 Gross Invariant. This is Marvel Comics 1001. Thanos, it's gorgeous. And if you comment, like, and be a subscriber of the channel, it'll enter you to win this. We'll announce this next week on the next podcast. Next part of the show, we got to get into something really fun here. I thought this would be a great opportunity to go over some collecting tips, but specifically some tips for those who are looking to take their collecting and their hunt to the next level. I want to get into comic books that to the average viewer, they may look like a standard cover. They may look like a standard regular comic, but because there's something different about it, it makes them valuable. It makes them collectible. Let's get into some specific types of variants. And I like what you said to me off camera about this. This is kind of like after you got your runs down, after you got your keys down, after you memorized all those type of books. Now it started... Now you start to look for those unicorns. These are kind of like the variants before there were really variants. And we're going to talk about these different type of books that you can hunt for in the wild or maybe even in your own long box. That's right. Make sure to like, subscribe, and comment on our video. And we are going to jump into some of these topics here. I want to just out the gate talk about valuable errors. There's a lot of ones that fall into this category, but out the gate, we should just have it be the first one we discuss. All right, so with these error comics, you can have recalled comics. Like one that comes to mind is a Star Wars Hot Topic variant. This was around the time of Avengers Age of Ultron, and it had an ad for these Funko Pops in the back. And it showed this Gray Hulk Funko Pop that I guess they were, Marvel wasn't supposed to show it yet or Hot Topic wasn't supposed to show it yet, so they got recalled. Whoever got a copy of that variant started flipping those on eBay for big bucks. But what we're going to go into is an older book, a book from 1996 that was recalled. Let's go deep cut with this gem because I want to try to surprise some members of the community. Recalled comic books happens often. Like every year there's stuff that goes on. So members are going to know off the cuff some to look for when they're on the hunt. But I wanted to find one that people just don't know about. So yeah, 1996, there was a Mission Impossible comic book that came out, issue number one. And it was recalled. And we know it was recalled because there were two panels that were changed and distributed, and both comics exist. But why did they redo the panels? That's the thing. From there on out, it's legendary. We know that the comic was recalled because there's two that exist. On page three, both panels are different. One panel shows Ethan Hunt in frame, and the other, he is gone. 
And then the next panel that was changed, you have an Ethan Hunt's face that was redrawn, kind of Maurice Severin status in this Hulk annual number one Steranko cover that was done. And what is said to have happened is that Tom Cruise received a copy of this issue before it hit the stands, and he had some negative things to say about this comic. That sounds like something Tom Cruise would do, though. He didn't like how it looked or whatever and said, no, 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 you got to pull this. Specifically, he said that Ethan Hunt looked too feminine. <laughs> so, like, I want to know from the community, we'll put both pictures up here. Do you think that this Ethan Hunt looks so feminine enough that the artist would need to go back, you know, get it back to the editor, get it photoshopped and redone? Hit us in the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. The next type of book we're going to talk about are the newsstand variants. Correct. Newsstand comic books were indicated by having a UPC box traditionally in the bottom left of the comic. And the comics that were sold on newsstands were printed less, meaning that these comics were more scarce. And because they were in the wild, literally outside on newsstands, they're a lot more scarce in high grades. So you're going to know some books that get a premium for a 9.8 newsstand just because of how scarce they are in that grade. I wanted to pick some comic books to chat about that were newsstand variants that were going to surprise members of the community because they know the cover, but they're going to be surprised to see how much their newsstand counterpart goes for. And I think we should start with the Gabriel Del Otto Morbius, the Living Vampire issue number one newsstand variant. First of all, Gabriel Del Otto is a fan favorite variant cover artist to begin with. But when you can get a number one and a newsstand variant that's much more scarce, you're going to talk big bucks. Dude, this raw comic, like standard cover A, it's cool, but it's like an $8 book, $10 book in not, you know, nine six to nine point eight. You know, it was printed heavily, and it's a really cool run. But the newsstand variant of this hits highs of ninety to a hundred dollars. This is raw. That's correct, raw. And all you have to do is look out for that UPC in the bottom part of the comic. The next book we're going to talk about is a super common book. Everybody had a couple of these in their boxes growing up. This is the red foil cover Venom Lethal Protector number one, but. I bet you nine times out of 10, it's a, a direct market with Spidey in the box. I think he's saying, oh, no, or something like that. The newsstand variant is much more rare, and it goes for more money. I've literally stood in comic shops with dealers who have like 15, 20 copies thinking that they're all the same. And then I'll go through and go, no, pull this one out. No, 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 pull this one out. No, 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 because they go for double. Lethal Protector, you know, when it's not Venom, like when the movies aren't popping and they're like, you can go watch them right now. The lull right. is about $15 for this book, 20 bucks for a high grade. But a newsstand variant of this same issue goes for double that, 50 bucks. The next one I want to talk about, I think is really cool because this is another one that is a super common book. It's Spawn number one. I think they printed over a million copies of this. Uh, what's interesting is that the direct market did not have a box whatsoever. You only have a box on the newsstand ver uh, version, which is much more rare. And when you have a million print run, you need something to offset that to, to give it some kind of collectability. So the newsstand for Spawn number one is, is one of those books. Dude, it's like a, what, a $20 raw book. And even that yeah. seems like a little high to quote, but it is a $20 <laughs> book right now with like movie spec. I mean, even McFarlane would probably laugh at you for paying $20 for his book. But a newsstand variant, I looked up, dude, this month, a couple days ago, $70, you know, for a VF near mint copy sold. Yeah, that, that's a big difference. And, and it, it is, sucks that this book is not valuable because it's the first appearance of Spawn. 
It's spawn number one, and he's on the cover. It has everything going for it except that print run, man. So that's why the spawn collectors especially are going to want something that's a little bit more value, uh, and this uh, newsstand is a good one. All right, let's take a look at some DC newsstands that you just got to know. Um, these ones are quite a bit bigger, but they're also very just random comics like they're not major keys they're not ones you're gonna go oh yeah that's the first appearance of taskmaster like that's gonna be more worth more if i find a variant of it no no, no. this right. is superman 50 the second print and the way that you're gonna know there's two indicators that this is the second print you're dealing with because there's more than this second print that exists there's other versions but you're looking for the scarce second print with a upc in the lower left and the words historic engagement issue at the top now at a 9.8 this book hits 300 all day long right now if you go to ebay vf copies of this book could be found for starting at a hundred dollars and there are very few of them listed that's a cool one you know what's funny about that era of dc books a lot of times the second third fourth fifth printings are the more rare more expensive books and this is just one of those newsstand kind of variants that are one of those Absolutely. It's similar to this next one on the list, Batman 457. This That's the Scarecrow cover, right? Yeah, Scarecrow's on there. You got Batman hanging upside down. This is the first Jason Todd is Robin. It's a minor key, but yeah. I think for like newsstand variants go, this is the one that most collectors in the community think of for that price variation. This is a $10 book in high grade, you know, 15 bucks. You know, some people may pay 20 to guarantee the 9.8 slot, but with the newsstand edition, um, you're going to know if this is it because it says the words new Robin at the top of the comic, in addition to the UPC in the bottom right of the cover. This mm. book goes for over a thousand dollars. The high grade estimated value is 1.8 thousand on Key Collector Comics, and if you go online right now, you can see VF starting at a thousand minimum. Dang, that's crazy. So keep an eye out for this book. I can attest that I have actually seen copies of this book go missed on dealers' tables in their dollar bin issues, and I've also seen this book sold on Amazon for under $10 because the listers didn't know. They just listed the book. It looks like a standard copy, and when right. you go onto Overstreet or you go on Key Collector, if you don't check the variant button or if you don't look at the different types of books that exist for these copies, they could be missed, and they generally are. All right, the next set of variants we're going to talk about are the DCU logo variants. I think this is one of my favorite types of variants because this was something that was really uncovered by the masses in this community in this last year and a half. And what are we talking about? We're talking about these packs of comics that were largely sold to like toy stores, specifically Toys R Us is like notorious for being heavy suppliers of these. And these were packages of comic books that were distributed there um, containing an assortment of books, but they were printed for these packs. And the way you can tell them apart is in the bottom left where the UPC would be, it actually says DC Universe, making these a different reprint. It's a different version of the standard cover A. But what makes this intriguing is that because these went back to print and because they were so low print, these are looked at as some of the rarest DC comics that exist. That's awesome. Those are the, these are the original variants. This is something that was not made on purpose to be collectible. It just happened to be a different version of a book that was much more scarce. 
So I'm going to point out a couple here that are really fun that their counterpart isn't worth very much. Um, Batman Adventures issue number 36. Absolutely love this cover. And you can get this book for under 12 bucks in high grade. But with that DCU Universal logo on the bottom, that right there is an indicator that it was sold in a pack. It was sold at a store, likely at random because it was kind of a grab bag status. You couldn't look inside to see what was inside. And yeah, this one book in high grade goes for $100 strong. What's the other one we got? Legionnaires number 16. This is the Adams Hughes book. That's right. And this one is just one that people got to know, but it's a great example about how some of these just randomly are worth more money because they are even lower print. Imagine this. Batman Adventures is a pretty high printed comic book. I mean, it's Batman. Relatively speaking, you know, it is a, a, a different line of Batman comics, but it was still heavily printed compared to Legionaries. But this was an Adam Hughes cover and this goes for 50 bucks. Otherwise found in the dollar bin. Yeah. So you got to just be checking that barcode, look for that DCU and you might find yourself a gem. That's right. And there are categories for all of these different comic books on key collector comics. So if you want to look at a bunch of them all at once, you can use code Tom one Oh one to unlock a free one week subscription. And now we got to go on to what is my favorite type of variant. And What's that? I, dude, it's the, wait a minute, dude, what is your shirt? I, I okay, oh, comic fam, you don't, you don't know this, but, Jem is recording on his on a separate camera, so I'm looking at him on a webcam, and I can't see the bottom of it. Can you kind of stand up a little bit for me so I can see it? This is my Mark Jeweler shirt. Dude, that's my Mark Jeweler shirt. No, that's, no, no. no. I designed is, that shirt. This is the Blue Gem, Gem Mint, Comic Tom, Mark Jeweler's variant shirt. Dude, that's my shirt. It's the same shirt. I'm just kidding. I'm comic fan. We, we collaborated and made a variant of a shirt that I made. And if you want to support both of our channels, we now have the Mark Jewelers Gem Mint variant Mark Jewelers shirt. How dope is that? <laughs> I think it's pretty cool. I'll put the link in the description or you can go to comictom101.store. We're splitting the proceeds. Um, your help supporting both shows. Dude, I thought it was a great idea. I, I made the design of this shirt. I don't know, a year and a half ago. And we weren't doing a whole lot of collaborating back then. And the gem just looked good. So we rolled with it. But then I, it hit me when I was at C2E2. I'm like, dude, what if we made that gem blue? Right. It, it lined up. We had to do it. It works out perfect for both of us. <laughs> All right. So why don't we talk about Je about Mark Jeweler variants now? So Mark Jeweler, and I think this is what the shirt says, right? The original variant. So Mark Jeweler was a jeweler who would put uh, his ads inside comics, but it wouldn't be inside every issue. The issue I always think about the most is the Incredible Hulk 181. The Mark Jeweler variant goes for more than the regular because it just makes it a little bit more scarce. But Mark Jeweler had his insert in a ton of books. Mark Jeweler sold a lot of different stuff, um, but primarily their ads consisted of things that were being targeted to males. I mean, there's a lot of guys who were buying comic books, so that worked. And some of these ads were for like high school rings, engagement rings, because they were marketing these towards military personnel, and that's where they sold these ads. And the comics that would largely have the centerfold ad, which is what you're looking for, um, they're different colors, um, but... You'll, you'll know when you find it. The centerfold has a full ad for Mark Jewelers. We'll show pictures of it. And those comics would be sold near or on military bases because they were targeting 
personnel who were just coming from high school and would be interested in possibly buying a high school ring or a ring for their sweetheart. And you're right, Jem, not every comic has a Mark Jeweler variant. And what's fascinating about this and a lot of the comics on this list, really all of them, is that that's what makes them unique, is that there's right. no central list of everything that exists. They're still being found. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, it wasn't in every book, right? So, like, Werewolf by Night 32, some of them have the Mark Jewelers insert, some of them don't. And we don't really know exactly which books have them. It was kind of like it could have skipped a month, but you see them a lot in those Bronze Age books. That's right. And they definitely add inflation to the comics. But what's fascinating is that this is a recent inflation that's been added. I'm talking within the last three years. Now, Mark Jeweler variants have been collected by collectors for a long time, but it wasn't until the last few years that they would add significant value. And it started with the keys. It started with the New Mutants 98s and the Werewolf by Nights, as you described, adding 20, 30, 40% value, you know, when considering the grade of the comic because of an insert. And then that trickle down effect applied to other comic books. And then they come up randomly. We'll see comics that we didn't expect to have a Mark Jeweler variant have it just like we've seen DC um, DCU logo variants pop up and people go crazy because they don't see them. And then when they come up, Oh, now, you know, they exist. And there's a lot of hungry collectors after them. Now we can go through a lot of different sales over the last couple of years showing the change in price with Mark Jeweler variants, but I think maybe a more recent example would be better for this. Yeah, there's actually a book that's shown up on your top 10 list for the last two weeks in a row that has now been found to have a Mark Jeweler's insert. That's right. We're talking about Spectacular Spider-Man 176. This is the first appearance of the Corona, um, the villain in Spectacular Spider-Man. And I think this is a great example to show the power of a variant as it applies to its value, because this is a book that was a dollar bin a month ago. Then that rose to $20, and then that hit highs of 35 to 40 And just in the last couple of days, we see Mark Jeweler variants of this issue hit $50 and rising. So that's there is that inflation I'm talking about in real time. Yeah, that's a good example. Comic fam, I encourage you to become affluent in these variants. Look through them. Go through the categories on Key Collector. Know what to scout for. They go missed on eBay so often. A lot of these don't even have a very high census count for being graded. There's a lot of opportunities in those long boxes and possibly in your own collection. Yeah, so guys, make sure you uh, get your knowledge up so you can find those things in the wild. The last thing we're going to talk about are viewer comments. We looked at some of our last collaboration videos, and we highlighted some of the, like, the most liked or top comments, and we wanted to share them with you guys. Yeah, man, I was excited. I had so much fun doing vids over on your channel at Gemmin Collectibles. I've been a follower of your channel since before my YouTube channel existed. So mm. it was cool to be able to engage with other members of a community that I felt part of already. So um, thank you for having me on and shout out to Frank Henry, who says Tom is so animated that dude can get you to hype over a phone book. I appreciate <laughs> the comment, Frank. I mean, I'm not trying to get you hyped over nothing, but you know what? Common compliment received. And it's got 42 thumbs up. That's pretty big for a comment. <laughs> Yeah, that's, uh, that's a strong next, comment. This next one from Matt B. He's got 53 thumbs up. It says, Gem Mint and Comic Tom together. Is this the greatest crossover in comic book history? Dude, that was really nice. That's a really nice compliment. Thanks so much, Matt B. Appreciate that. Ooh, let's chat about, um, I mean, because we do. We made a, a video about variants. Did we not? Yeah. Like, we got to read that. Um, this is from. You know what's funny about 
that that video was controversial, but like that's I got the idea for that video from what my LCS owner told me. He was like, "Man, these are not these help me out." And it was funny because when we shared that, there was a lot of mixed reaction to it. Absolutely. Um, Unruly Simeon says, variants aren't killing the industry, but the amount of them, particularly on books that do not deserve nor need one, sure aren't helping. No book needs more than three variants. Tops. Full stop. Love both y'all. That's an interesting take on it. And I think that's actually most people's opinions is that they don't want to see, you know, them just come off the board and not do any altogether. They just want to see less of them. Yeah, Unruly Simeon's my guy. 40 people agreed with him. And I, I think you're right. I think a new number one, I think uh, maybe an event, maybe the main story of the event should have variants. But random issues, yeah, I, I can see what you mean about not every book needing one. But there's actually not that many, right? I mean, like I'm trying to think right now. Like There's a lot of variants that come out for number one, of course. I'll give you that. Right. But think of like... Some of the more recent Batman issues or even like, right. you know, the more sequential, like two, three, four, five or whatever book that comes out. There aren't that many variants, are they not? Yeah, I think it's got to dwindle down the more the run goes on. I mean, James Tinian's run on Batman. Are there any variants on those issues? Even the punchline stuff, because that hasn't come out yet. They have that Archer variant coming out, but I don't think that there are any. I might be wrong, but at least there's not an overabundance of them. And that's just one example. Yeah, like like people aren't like complaining about those in particular. Right. I think it's more of just the issue number one. And if there was only three, that would be kind of tough, you know, because I'm a fan of the work the artists get. I like seeing artists have opportunity to really compete with one another for our attention, the communities, because that's how you get the best work. And then all of a sudden you have just, yeah, you have a lot of different covers, but you have artists that are kind of rising to the top, becoming more competitive and then pushing that, that marker of success. Definitely a good showcase uh, for new artists. And, and I like how unruly and this next comment by D tech, uh, they enjoy our content and they disagreed and that's fine. D tech had 38 thumbs up on this one. And he said, you said it's not for the money. Every reason was literally about getting you to buy comics, literally money. Uh, I'm being technical, but I'm addicted to your content. And, and I think, uh, yeah, maybe we didn't word it right. I think what we meant is like people buying comics is good for the comic book industry. Not necessarily that Tom wants to make money off his exclusive or that, comic book uh, store owners want to make money by up pricing their variant. We're just saying the more you're bringing people into the hobby and people are spending money on comic books, it's better and it help continue the hobby to, to live on. Keep the industry going. My perspective is the more comics that are sold, the more comics get made. And I like seeing more comics get made. That means there's more opportunity for comic books to come out with the bang, for more immortal hulks to happen and for more risks to happen. And I like seeing the work. I mean, there's a lot of hungry artists and writers itching to be the next Donny Cates. I'll remind everybody that Donny Cates was a, I mean, he described himself to me as like a failed comic book store employee for a long time until he was given the opportunity to try out. So, you know, more comics, the better in my book. Couldn't agree more. Dude, I really appreciate you being here, man. Comic fam, you got to go follow Jen Mint over on his YouTube channel. You got anything fun going on over there right now? Yeah, man. We are still doing daily content, a lot of statue unboxing uh, and reviews. We're doing a lot of uh, recent reads on like Omnibus or Collected Editions. We usually do new comic book day reviews, but obviously that's going to be on hold until they start printing and distributing those again. But still daily content, a lot of collaborations, uh, having a good time. 
All right. Well, I'm going to be following you in Comic Fam. I hope you're following our channel as well. Make sure to comment. Let us know what you think about this podcast. What do you think about this video? What are you hunting for on eBay from home, right? You're in isolation, I hope. And, you know, what are you doing to keep occupied? I can use some reading material if you guys have any advice, any suggestions. And if you do those things, you know, commenting and all that, it'll enter you to win one of, we're doing two giveaways today. We have this uh, Marvel Comics 1001, 1 in 100 variant, as well as my immortal hulk volume number one from the pc that we're going to be sending out next week comic fam i love you we're going to continue this conversation i'm actually going to continue it comic tom's going solo on the bonus show go join me on soundcloud spotify stitcher and itunes the camera's shutting off but i'm going to keep it going on the mic i'm here you know i want to chat comics with you and as always geek responsibly enough said Comic fam, it's the bonus show. I'm here not by myself. The plan was to do it by myself, but I wanted to reach out to my homie, my brother, Comics with Bueller, on the mic right now on the bonus show. How you feeling, brother? I'm feeling okay. You're I'm feeling decent? To, I'm excited to be here, I guess. He I guess guesses. We're going to talk about comics. Dude, we're going to talk about and, grading comics right now, right? Yeah, we're going to talk about grading books again. Bueller doesn't like to grade comic books. Nope. I want to know three reasons why you don't want to grade comic books. Three reasons? That's easy. First thing is I don't like spending extra money to get a book graded. Um, I'm a penny pincher. Everyone kind of knows that about me. If you're familiar with my channel, I buy budget books, you know, 50 cent dollar books. That's what I spend. So I don't like spending the extra money to get something graded. Another reason is I just don't have the connection with a book that's in a plastic case. It's I don't have the emotional connection that I do when I pick out a book that I hunt for in a shop and I have it and I can open it up and flip through the pages and I smell it and it looks good and it sounds good and it is good. It reads good, all that good stuff. You don't have any of that when it's encapsulated as far as being graded. Another thing is I'm skeptical because I've never done it before. I've never sent out a book to get graded. I know the turnaround times can be kind of long. I don't know what to expect. And it's kind of the fear of the unknown, mm. which kind of holds me back from actually getting a book graded. Oh, I love it, man. I appreciate the honesty behind your reasoning, because I think that all of those things are things that are, it just it makes so much sense why it would deter you from wanting to do that. And I think the, you know, kind of working the list backwards, you know, I think the the knowledge of going through the process and how to um, get your comics taken care of, doing it the right way, I think that's something that's becoming easier with the internet and with CGC as well as other companies broadening their services and investing in the process. I think the the heart of the issue lies with the reasoning of why people grade comics in the first place. And that's what I want this to, conversation to be about. Right now, I, I don't get comics graded. It doesn't appeal to me. Uh, I've said this in the past on my show. That doesn't mean my, that my collecting will change in the future. I have an open mind. And like, if down the road I want to get comics graded or I want to experience that, I'm going to do it, you know, just because it might appeal to me down the road. Just right now on my collecting uh, timeline, it just isn't for me. And I think it's really important for people to have an open mind, whether it be getting comics graded or the type of comics you buy, whether it's Golden Age or Silver Age or maybe a publisher you're not familiar with, you should have an open mind when it comes to this medium. I see the value and I see where people can have value from it. I'm just not there yet. 
Sure. But a year from now, two years from now, I might be there. So I leave the door open. Why are you doing that grading in the first place? Is that for trade? Is that for sale? Is it to trade up? Or is it to be a placeholder to move the grade up eventually? Or is it just, just sit on your wall because you want to have the book? Because if it's the, you know, the, the latter and it's just for you, and the investment value really isn't there, then that could be a raw book. It doesn't really matter. But if it's super expensive, you may want to get it encapsulated just for the safety or maybe just because you like the label. Yeah, I, I see the, the appeal to where if you have a book, it's graded and there's a grade on the book, you can easily tell what the value of that book is. That kind of takes the guesswork out of it compared to a raw book. We asked this question on, on my show about a month ago why you should get a comic grade or why you should not. And the response was, we got quite a bit was, I know what the value is. If someone, if something were to happen to my collection or something to happen to me and I hand down my collection and they're graded books, then the person I hand them to will be easily able to identify the value of these books because they are graded and you can find out what that value is. I didn't think about that aspect myself. I was like, Oh, that makes sense. You know, cause you know, if I give someone a long box of raw books, they could be taken advantage of sometimes. Oh, this is worth this much. But when you have graded books, you can find out the value of those books pretty easily. You can look them up 9.2, 9.8, whatever that sells for, and you can get a better deal. So I see the appeal of getting that graded to have the set value on those books and that might tip the scale to make me want to do it down the line. Yeah, so like on the other end, Bueller, this is where I found myself because I went from one end of the spectrum clear to the other in a pretty short amount of time, and then I had to actually scale back to kind of a happy medium because it got to the point where I was aggressively buying books at a 99 just because I knew that it was one of three copies at 9.9. Mm. And, and it was a Hellboy book. Did it matter if it was issue two, if it was a key, if it was a variant that was not super scarce? It's it what it did. And I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I think anybody's collecting is it's all expensive paper. We're talking about comic books. You know, I always circle back to that. So I don't judge anybody how they collect, because, again, I collected a modern hero over a lot of others and I spent a lot of money on Hellboy and had a huge Hellboy collection that I was, you know, that I miss, I miss that collection. I miss those nine knives and it's just, it's what it is. So I put those, like I say, Hellboy lenses on because I was a collector doing that, but it added a different layer of collecting to me that was making it more difficult to acquire common books. And I think that's a natural thing. You know, yeah. when you have something that you like, a certain character or a certain franchise, the easiest way to kind of understand that liking, that um, maybe that attraction to encapsulation, to getting that grade, to having that authenticity, that maybe that value marker that's official, not subjective, as you described, is the added scarcity of the fact that there is now a census tracking the grades that just made your VF or your VF near mint or your near mint copy on that scale much more rare because now it's officially on a census that says yeah. so, especially if it's a 9-9 or something like that. Now, let me ask you a question. I mean, obviously, I can see graded books behind you. Sure. Um, when you get a book graded, is it a combination of these two things? Is it because of the value, you know, the value will be there 
or are you getting it graded because there's an emotional attachment to the book and you want to preserve that book? Is it one of those or is it a combination of those things? Um, yeah, it's a combination of both of those things. It entirely depends on the comic and why I have it. Now, I am a outlier in this hobby, I just as you are, you know. I'm uh, making YouTube content and us doing what we do, um, the kind of comics we deal with, the stuff that we decide to keep. It's it's just it's unique. So for me, my collection now officially is completely out of my hands. That's mm. what I've been saying on the mic, and it is the 100% truth. The stuff that I get are because the community sends it, and yeah. I don't send gifts out. You know, if someone says, "Hey, hey, I." got this for you. I bought this for you. I stood in line for you. And it's something that's like, it's random, but it meant something to the, to someone in the, you know, who watches the show and they send it in to me, that means the world to me. And I'm going to keep that forever. So there are things though, that I get as gifts, like behind me, you know, shout out, uh, uh, Shannon Mayer, you know, yeah. this is a, an artist I'm, I'm a big fan of. And it was a gift, you know, he gave me a, a slab as a gift. He had the slab. And, and to me, that's awesome. I'm like, that's a freaking awesome gift. But there was also a raw comic book that he gave me. And I thought, no, I want that slab too, because I'm going to keep it forever. And I know that it's going to be taken care of. And I'm buying it for one, uh, excuse me, I'm paying to get it slapped for one reason. It's not to open it up. It's not sure. to read the comic inside. I will never need to do that. It's to look at that artwork and appreciate the fact that it exists and it means something to me. And that can be done in a case and preserved. Um, but we do have a comic business, right? We, we get Marvel comics. I'm sitting next to my exclusive here. We buy exclusives. We buy and sell comics, um, Milgi comics, Russ's shop, you know, he serves his community and we also sell comics online. And there's an aspect of comic books in dealing comic books that just, it makes sense to get things graded. They sell faster. They sell for more money. If you yeah. are able to press and take care and clean a comic book, if you want to be rewarded for that hard work, getting it graded, submitting it and getting it official is all parts of that line of work that makes it worth doing. Um, so there are reasons to grade in that arena too. What appeals to me if I were to get a comic graded is the emotional attachment to the book itself. You mentioned Shannon Mir. Um, I'm a big fan of his as well. He sent me books also autographed and everything. And, uh, that would be the first type of book that I would want to get graded or encapsulized or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, for my personal thing, not for the value to resell it. Cause I really don't sell a lot of, uh, individual books myself. I, I mean, every now and then I might do an auction and then I got my boxes here and there, but, uh, I've never sold a graded book before. I wouldn't know exactly how to do the process to do that. Um, but as far as personally, the ones I'm attached to that have meaning to me personally, those are the ones I would get graded first and add that to my collection. So if that time comes, those are the first ones that go. Well, you know what? You know, I can say that I've been doing, like you've been grading comics or CGC since I started collecting comics seriously. Um, but what I can say about CBCS, which is another very respected grading company, is that they do awesome work. Now, I don't have a whole lot of experience with them, but I have had some of their slabs. I have actually seen um, many of their slabs sell very competitively, and they look great to me. You know, I think that they have some very talented graders, and I've actually 
listened to a few podcasts with some of their graders on there yeah. and they're professional as hell. Like they know what they're doing too. Um, so we're talking about grading. We're talking about all kinds of grading. Um, but when we talk about CGC in particular, it's because, well, heck they're the, the, one of the first like big companies to, to show interest in this, you know, online community that we have. And they're also the, the biggest that's most used. And if we can provide value by doing content around the services so that the community knows what's up and, and what to do, then we're going to do it. Yeah. I do like some of the services that the CGCS, that's, that's correct. CGCS, C- CBCS, CBCS, sorry, that they provide like mm-hmm. the autograph uh, verification and stuff like that. I think that's kind of cool to be able to do that. I have a lot of books that are autographed mm-hmm. uh, to where I wouldn't mind getting those graded. And if they sure. offer that service to where they can verify that, I think that's a nice option to have. Yeah. I think that's what is emerging right now in the community is just different companies that are offering different types of services so that the com- the comic book community can be, can be served completely. Yeah. And I think that's the goal with all of this. Bueller, thanks for joining me on this bonus show. Just having a fun conversation about grading comics, whether, you know, yeah. some people like it, some people don't. And you're also my homie. And I love that it's like a completely different world that we live in when it comes to this kind of stuff. And that to me is awesome. Fire Guy Ryan doesn't collect really. You know, like he really doesn't. He's a he's a reader, man. He's got a crazy graphic novel collection. That dude donated like, I don't know, a hundred trades to the mystery mail call when we were like getting the channel started and and trying to source money for microphones, you know, like this dude reads comics, but we bond because of comics. And I think that's a really cool part of this community is that we can all have our own uh, passion in our own way, but be able to like, you know, be together in this community. Exactly. You know, be friends, relate, and still enjoy the hobby just the same. Yeah, I mean, I've said this before. We're all kind of pieces of the puzzle, and we're all a little bit different the way we collect, what we collect, but uh, we're all necessary to make the puzzle complete. So if you take one of us away, it just doesn't work. So whether you're a speculator or you're a grader or you like raw copies or certain books, you're all part a piece of the puzzle, and you have to be part of this. So pretty good time to be a collector in general. The community is small. Like it, I, it sometimes it, it may be forgotten, but the community is very small. Comic book collecting is popular. It's a cool thing. And yeah, right now it's popping. I mean, not like, like today, today, obviously comics didn't come out, but in general, the community is popping. It's awesome to be in, in the comic book collecting community, but everyone does play their role. And that's why, every member of the community is just as important as another and their opinions matter. So absolutely, um, Bueller, I appreciate you. We should do another bonus show sometime soon. Thanks, man. This is fun. If you guys aren't familiar with my channel, go check it out. Comics with Bueller on YouTube, tons of content all the time. Looking forward to having new comics come back out and make more videos about those along with a bunch of other stuff. But this was a great conversation. Appreciate talking with you and the fact that we have different opinions on this and we can have a civil conversation and not yell or get upset, this is what it's all about, man. So thank you so much, Tom. Oh, dude, as soon as I hit that button, I'm going to make you redo the podcast and we're going to start yelling at each other. I figured. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, dude. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Peace. Comic fan, thank you so much for joining me today. Have a good rest of your weekend and we will see you soon.